Okay, I think I'm going to be trying to work out this passage all morning. Um, I'm grateful to be able to preach three times because then I get to talk about it three times and try to figure it out. So um, this, this passage has always been a, a tricky one. So the last, the last three verses, I think, are, are really helpful and good. You know, when we'll, we'll talk about those for sure. We'll, we'll get to them. But, but the first part, you know, it's like we're, we're given an insight into Jesus's prayer life, which is incredible just to think about Jesus, you know, praying to the Father. You know, I, I, can, I can try to look at a person and try to, try to read their mind, and every time I'll fail. You know, sometimes maybe I'll get to know somebody so well that I can imagine what they think like and, and think like them. But, but when we're talking about Jesus, who we as Christians believe is God, he's, he's praying out loud so that we can get an image, a glimpse of, of what he's praying about. But, but what, he, what he's praying about, it, it, it's, it comes from something else. So that, that's something else. I want to talk about that. So eventually, if it's helpful for you, I know that it's not always helpful for you. I, I like to follow along. So eventually, we're going to get to the gospel passage. So if you'd like to, when we get there, follow along with me. It's on page 58 in your little missalette. But before we get to the gospel passage, I just want to talk about uh, what we see leading up to this. We know that the last few weeks... Uh, before this one, we, Jesus was talking to his apostles, right? He was, he was talking to this group of people and sending them out to talk to the crowds that are following him. Uh, and, and they're to preach and teach. And he gives them some pretty um, challenging instructions, you know, about, about uh, how, how they're going to be rejected and hated by all. They're going to be handed over because of the message that they're going to preach. Uh, that, that, and that what's more, for, for their, those that they're preaching toward, for, for all of those who reject them, they're ultimately rejecting Jesus. And, and if they, if in receiving the message, they decide that they love their, their parents or their children or anyone more than they love Jesus, then, then they're not worthy, right? So like this is, this is the, the challenging message that, that Jesus sends out his apostles to preach and to teach. And then after that, chapter 11 begins, and it says actually that, that Jesus, when he finished instructing, he went on from there to preach and teach as well. So it, it wasn't just a matter of like Jesus, he's sending them out and he's just going to kind of relax by the pool or something. But no, like he sends them out and then he goes with them to preach and to teach in their villages. And, and as he's preaching, it, it says that John the Baptist was in prison and, and he sent his disciples to, to Jesus to find out like, are you the one? Are, are you the one who is to come or should we like keep looking? Should we look for another? And Jesus says, go and tell John, because he's in prison, he can't get out of prison. Go and tell John what you've seen and heard, that, that uh, the, the dead have been raised, the blind were given their sight, that the mute were able to speak, the, the poor have the good news preached to them. Go, go and tell him that message. And then he says, and, and blessed is he who takes no offense at me. In other words, Jesus is telling him, yes, I am the one, and by the way, you, you know that I'm the one because of the works that I do. Because you see everything that I'm accomplishing, not just what I'm preaching, of course, what I'm preaching, but, but also you're, you're seeing that my preaching is accompanied. It comes along with these miraculous things that, that only somebody sent from God, perhaps even only someone who is God, could do. And, and so go. And then from there, he turns to the crowds because the crowds are fascinated. You know, John the Baptist comes before Jesus and and he's, he's the one who's preparing the way. And so maybe there's, there's potential like, oh, well, John's time is done and too bad John couldn't, couldn't do and now Jesus. But no, J Jesus is like, no, like, you don't understand. John the Baptist is awesome. This is what Jesus says. He's like, out of everyone that's born, there's, there's no one greater than John. Like, he's, he's awesome. 
And yet I tell you, even the one who's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater, is greater than John the Baptist. But then he says this. He says, okay, I'm looking at the crowds. How do I, how do I talk about the crowds that I see? Jesus is saying. He says, this is how the crowds are. There are people that are just unwilling to be satisfied. Because John the Baptist came and, and he was fasting and mourning. And, and they said he has a demon. In other words, he came fasting and they, they refused to accept him, the, the crowds did, for, for somehow. And now the Son of Man has come, in other words, me, and I'm eating and drinking and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard. Right? So the, the crowds are people that, that are unwilling to be satisfied by, by anything sent from God, in other words, is what he's saying. It's, it's kind of a, a hard thing, and that, that's, that's part of what's difficult for me leading up to this passage. And then it actually gets even harder. So in the section immediately before this one, it says that he began to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And he starts speaking to them, Woe to you, Chorazin, this, this city. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, these, these places that were overthrown because of their sinfulness, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it shall be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And then he turns to another city, Capernaum. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, Sodom, of course, we know from the book of Genesis, this, this, this town that committed terrible sins against, against Lot and, and uh, those who were with him. And because they committed terrible sins, uh, the, the Lord sees that in the city there's no righteous people, and so he rains down fire from heaven to destroy, to destroy their city. He says, um, For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. In other words, the people would have repented because, because they had seen it, but, but, but as it was, they didn't see the mighty works done that you have seen, the, the works that you have seen and have not repented of. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for, for you. That, like this, these are hard words from Jesus. He, he's, right? and, and when we think of Jesus, I've talked about this before, when we think of Jesus, we think of someone who's gentle and compassionate and, and caring and loving and, and so good. And, and he is those things, but, but then how do we reconcile when he's got these difficult words for people? Like, what do we do? And then what's more, What's more, then we get into our passage where, where if you look on, on page 58, uh, if, you, if you'd like, he just starts praying. And, and his prayer, for, right after his words of, of challenge for these cities, and, and more than challenge, like these words that are talking about how they're not going to be judged very, very, very favorably, actually. That their, their judgment is going to be harsh, it seems. From there, he turns to the Father and he just says what? I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to little ones. Okay, we're, we're going to talk more, more about what's coming after this, but, but do you notice this, right? It, Jesus says that the Father hides things from people. Again, this is not a way that we typically think about God, that he wouldn't hide anything from me. I, he loves us. He cares for us. He wouldn't hide anything from me. And yet Jesus says this. You have hidden these things from the wise and the learned. Why, why would he do that? And, and then what's more, he reveals them to little ones. 
A more accurate translation is, is he reveals them to babes or infants. Again, like what? There's, there's a strange mystery at play here that, that Jesus sees, of course, because, because he's divine and he has this insight into the ways of the Father. But, but for us, I think we, we got to let ourselves wrestle with it. And that's, this is what I'm, I'm wrestling with. It's like, why, why does Jesus one moment have really hard words for entire cities and then another moment, he actually gives praise to the Father because, because the Father only reveals the mysteries of the kingdom to, to people who are like infants. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. But, but what it, I think what it's meant to do for us is, is to make us say, okay, well, I want to be like one of these little ones. If, if the mysteries of the kingdom of God are revealed to little ones, and they're not revealed to those who are wise and learned, then I want to be a little one. Hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. That, and, and the point here isn't that we should all just be dumb. Like that, that's not the point at all. In fact, we, we believe this, that, I mean, someone who's a disciple, the, the word disciple, I've talked about this, it means somebody who learns from another. So we're not, we're not supposed to be dumb. In fact, it, it's important for us to know our faith and, and to actually like read scripture and those kinds of things. But, but sometimes what can happen is, especially if we are wise and learned in the eyes of the world, you know, like if, if, if we know more than the next person about any given thing, what can happen is that we can become prideful and self-reliant. We can start to think like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need anyone to explain the Bible to me. I can figure it out for myself. I don't, I don't even need the Bible because I, I think I've got life figured out. I don't, I don't need the church's teachings because God and I, like, I'm smart enough that I can be on God's, God's level. Or what's more, how many, how many people do you know that, that, that have all kinds of learning in, in a, a worldly kind of sense, and they, they look at you and your faith in God, and they say, do you really believe all that? Isn't that for kids? Right, like, that, this is a kind of thing that happens, is that sometimes when we become really... Um, educated in, in different ways, we can sometimes start to think that our faith in Jesus is for children. It's just childish. And we can slowly start to say like, well, I don't have to believe that because that's for kids. I don't have to believe that because that's, that's just for those dumb people. When in fact, Jesus talks about how the mysteries of the kingdom are revealed to little ones, to infants. You know, it's like, what, is, what does an infant do? An infant does whatever his mom or dad wants him to do. You know, I was, I was, uh, before Mass, uh, Brent and Katie were walking in, and, and the little guy was slowly, you know, crawling his way up the stairs, and it was clear that it was just going to take a long time. So Brent was like, I'm just going to pick you up, right? And he just let, him be, let himself be picked up. Like, this is what an infant does. It's, it's like, you know, sometimes we know, we, we know this, that, this happens all the time, that kids are not always in a good mood and sometimes they scream and, and kick when you pick them up. But let's use this good example as, as a good example, that when you're in a right relationship with your father, you just let your father take you wherever he wants to take you. This is the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about, that those who, who truly have faith in the Lord, they just let the Lord guide them and instruct them. <clears throat> and show them where to go and even take them where they're to go. Our tendency as, as adults 
is to want to think for ourselves. Our tendency as adults is to be like those crabby kids who don't want their dad to take them where their dad wants to take them. And so we resist and we kick and we scream. When in fact, Jesus says, the mysteries are revealed to little ones, those who allow themselves to be taken up. Okay, then the gospel goes on. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. In other words, this is what the Father chooses. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And then he says this, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Do you hear this? So, so it's impossible for you to know God the Father unless Jesus reveals God the Father to you. So again, some, some people might hear this and just be like, wow, if I have to depend on Jesus to reveal the Father to me, I'm not in. I'm, I'm not interested. I, I can figure it out for myself. Whereas for a person who has faith, a person who has childlike faith, the, the response here is meant to be, okay, Jesus, I need you. Like, you've got to show me this, right? Like, this, this is the thing. It's like, I just, I have to depend on Jesus for everything because it's only through Jesus that I can come to know God at all. It's only through Jesus that I can actually get to heaven. And, and so it's, it's like my life has to be like centered around Jesus and not just centered around Jesus, but it's, it's like Jesus has to be my life. That I recognize that without him, I have nothing. Without him, I have no life. And so I don't, I don't want to, to try to be self-reliant. I don't want to, to be somebody who tries to live life apart from God where, where maybe I have part of my life that I live for him and the other part that I do my own thing. I don't want that because it is only from Jesus that I can know the Father. And it is only with the Father that the mysteries of the kingdom can actually be revealed to me. This, this is, it's, it's like a, it's a tricky thing, but, but it's, it's just so important for us to not be like Tyre and Sidon, to not be like Capernaum where, where they saw the mysteries or they, they saw the miracles of God unfolding before them in the person of Jesus and they refused to repent. They refused to surrender themselves to the Lord. Instead, they insisted on being self-reliant. And so when Jesus came and he didn't match up with what they wanted him to be, they rejected him. We can't be like that because those people receive from the Lord the worst kind of message where he says, woe to you. All these other cities that, that they didn't see my mysteries and they didn't see it, they're going to be judged more favorably than you will be, he says to them. We don't want to be like those people, but instead... We want to be like the, the children of the kingdom who receive the mysteries. This, this like, it's hard to do. It's hard to surrender yourself to the Lord. It's, it's, it's hard to, to, to be okay with living in the tension of trying to really believe what the Bible teaches, to try to really believe what the church teaches. That's a hard thing to do sometimes because we do have minds. We're not just dumb sheep. We can think, and sometimes our thoughts don't match up with the thoughts of God. And that's a difficult thing. And this is where Jesus is getting at in, in these last few verses where he says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. 
to labor and to be burdened. Yes, to be labor and to be burdened with the, the different difficulties of life, the different struggles that we all have in our lives, our, our difficulties with relationships, our difficulties with work, with school, with, with friends, whatever it is. Like, yes, those are difficult and they can be burdensome. Absolutely. So come to the Lord. But more than anything, those who labor at trying to surrender everything to Jesus, those who are burdened by the reality of their own sin, their struggle to, to give everything to him, those are the ones that Jesus says, come to me, come, just come and let me give you rest. I, I know that, that maybe some of you, 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 you come to church week after week after week and you hear me preach for a really long time and you hear me preach about really difficult things and I understand that that might be difficult and, and I understand that maybe there's, there's a way that I could be better at that. But, but the main thing that, that I'm trying to get across, that the Lord is trying to get across, is that for us to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to give him everything. Everything. And I know that that's hard. It's hard for me. I had to have a moment of prayer between just the last 24 to 48 hours where I had to wrestle with something that I myself am struggling with. And to surrender that to the Lord and to surrender it means that I have to make changes in my life that I'm not super excited about making. But I know that this is, this is where I have to come, to come to the Lord Jesus so that I can give him my burdens, I can give him my labor, and he can give me in return rest. But if I'm unwilling, just like if you're unwilling to surrender everything to him, then he can't give us the rest that he wants to give us because the mysteries of the kingdom will be hidden from us if we're like that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says. What's a yoke? A yoke is something that you put over the, the necks of two animals so that they can work together toward their goal, toward the accomplishment of whatever the task is that they're given. To be yoked with Jesus means that he and I work together, that he and you work together to accomplish what? To accomplish his mission, which is to save your soul from eternal damnation, to save your soul from the same judgment that Tyre and Sidon, that Capernaum received, to save your soul from that so that you could receive the judgment of a, a child of the kingdom of heaven so that he could guide you. But you got to let him guide you. You got to. And when you do that, he makes your burdens light. When you do that, he gives you the rest that only he can give.